0: You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on
1: the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming and achieving success in multifamily real estate. And even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, but you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey guys, and welcome to a, another Lessons in Real Estate show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today is Monday, which means we are bringing you a, another PCI Teaches. And this week on PCI Teaches, we're going to be continuing on our general path that we were talking about last week, talking about brokers. Now, leading into that, uh, this is going to be the first part in the uh, multiple part series on how to really underwrite or the, the finer details of underwriting from my perspective. And take this with a grain of salt, because in my opinion, every operator every underwriter every person who you know is involved in real estate investing or syndicating or multifamily in general has different underwriting standards they're looking at you know different markets they're looking at different cap rates they're looking at different classes of property they're looking at different prices per unit so Let let me just say that this may not be a one-stage solution for everyone, but it, in my opinion, is a good start for when you're just starting to evaluate properties and you don't really have a good basis to start from. So with that, this is our part one of our multiple part series on underwriting. So last week we talked about how to, you know, follow up with a broker and how to contact them and how to stay in contact with them. And okay, so let's say that you did that and now you're on their email list and they have sent you a property. And this property looks like it could be, you know, it looks like it could be right. And uh, just based off of a few key factors, um, let's just say that they send you the right criteria that you need. Um, for example, it's a Class C property. Uh, it's 75 units. It's in a a uh, nice part of town, relatively nice part of town. Um, <clears throat> and that's all you know for right now. Um, what additional information do you think you need for that? Well, from the first off, you need uh, two pieces of documentation at the very least to evaluate a property, a multifamily property, or really a commercial real estate property in general. And that's going to be the current rent roll, which is the uh, list, of the uh, individuals who are currently leasing the property. And it's gonna list items like um, the number of bedrooms in that area, in that uh, uh, property, there are different types of bedroom, uh, unit bedrooms in those properties. Uh, the number of vacancies within the property, the price that they're getting per, per each of those uh, bedroom, one one two three four bedroom properties or units, uh, potentially the size of the units, if there's any delinquencies, uh, that any tenants are holding start lease dates uh, and end dates and typically lease lengths. Uh, those are going to be probably your most um, detailed of rent rolls. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some uh, pretty scant rent rolls essentially saying, yes, this property or this uh, unit was was rented for this amount of money and that's it. And um, it's actually, we talked about on the a couple Uh, Two, three weeks ago on the 92 unit that we just closed, that was the property that had pretty awful financials. And one of the things that was pretty awful was a rent roll that literally just showed us the unit numbers name and then the amount that they were renting that property for. No additional information. So at the very least, uh, you need to have the rent roll and hopefully they get you a rent roll that is actually shows you something rather than being useless like it did for us. So the second thing you're going to need is a current T12 or a P&L or profit and loss statement. And uh, some people will say, yeah, you need to get the T3. Some people will say you need to get the T24, which is two, two years worth. But what it means by T12 is the uh, time minus 12 months. Uh, so, for example, that's the last year's worth of uh, profit and loss statement. So <clears throat> what does that mean? well, your profit and loss statements are going to have obviously have your income coming in. So your rental income, uh, any additional income uh, you're going to have through things like, um, you know, laundry, uh, vending machines, uh, if there's any sort of cable packages, uh, dog or pet fees, things of that nature. But it's also going to show things like the Uh, delinquencies any concessions that you had to provide uh, bad debt on the property um, any vacancies uh, that are showing right now and it's specifically it's going to show you what the economic vacancies are compared to uh, when you compare that to the uh, actual rent roll it's also going to show you the operating expenses for the property so things like your real estate taxes your insurance um, the contract services utilities uh, management fees, uh, repairs and pay, and uh, repairs and maintenance and payroll, as well as a number of other things, depending on how detailed they get. And then, uh, lastly, it's going to provide you what their net operating income is. And why those two documents are so important is because they can't really fake those numbers to you like they like they could in a pro forma. And what I mean by that is. <clears throat> if this property is brought to you by a broker uh, or it is a on-market deal and most likely has an offering memorandum, which is essentially a nice um, put together, well-researched, potentially well-researched deal package. And it's going to give you all the finer details on the property itself. It should be pretty much as detailed as you can get uh, on the property when it comes to details like uh, the ownership of the property, when the last renovations were done, um, what the property is renting for, what the potential is for it, uh, what the rent roll uh, potential is actually looking like, uh, what the upside is. And the danger with using the offering memorandum or just the broker's details uh, that they provide you in general is, be, is for that very last, uh, point there is that they are trying to sell you something. And, and at the very least, they're trying to make money off of this deal. And the best way to, for them to do that is to get as high of a price as possible. So I would be very cautious when you're using Proforma that are not specifically the current rent rule or the current T12 when making your evaluation of the, uh, the property initially. So those are the two... Number two, number one and number two documents. I say that you need to get started with underwriting. Well, so what are some additional things you would need to be able to use to underwrite the property at least initially? Well, uh, like I said, the offering memorandum doesn't hurt. Definitely gives you a lot more detail on the property itself uh, than you would get from just a and or the rent roll. Um, the whisper price, if there is one for the, uh, for the property, and what that means is that. Um, you know, the property may not be listed on the offering app on the actual offering memorandum or be listed by the, the, the broker it may just say unlisted or uh, contact broker or something along those lines. And so that means that the, the seller is most likely wanting to, um, boost the price as much as possible and create some sort of competition, but they have a general price in mind. So when you ask for the whisper price, you're asking really for, Hey, yeah, uh, you know, what is the, what is a buyer actually looking for? So you can kind of determine, oh man, that's super overpriced or, oh man, yeah, that's actually not bad. I think we can swing that and you can make your decision relatively quickly without having to waste uh, a lot of time on that, on that uh, property. If it's, it doesn't look like it's going to work out for you at all. And when you're dealing with properties and hundreds to thousands of units, you know, and you're looking at hundreds of properties at a time, it behooves you to save time looking at valuing a property quickly and efficiently and moving on to the next one. If it doesn't meet your criteria. Um, Some other things I would look for are the status of any CapEx repairs that have been completed by the seller uh, and the, uh, the dates of when those were done and how extensive they were. So for example, what I mean by that is uh, if, if the roofs were replaced in the last X amount of years, uh, if the um, central air conditioning was replaced in the last X number of years, uh, if siding was redone, if the electrical was redone, if the plumbing was redone, something along those lines, something that was big that the um, seller recently did uh, or has been done in the last you know, 10, 15 years, depending on what the renovation is. That's something that you may want to know because it could be a calculus in your decision when you're just in determining. Yes, I need to pay for X, Y, and Z now upfront. Um, what we call deferred maintenance, and rather than having to endure that later on, or kick it down, the, or kick the can down the road further on. And then um, that's all the documents I say you would you would need right now, and uh, most of that can be provided to you by the seller. Uh, or by the broker. Um, and mainly by the broker, if it's being represented by a broker, then you should absolutely get that information from uh, from your intended seller's broker. And if they can't provide you that information, I'd be suspect with working with them in the first place. So with that, I hope you have enjoyed this part one of our multi-part series on underwriting. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate Show.
0: Thanks for listening, if you are a military investor and found this episode of the lessons in real estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a 5 star rating on your listening platform, every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing, catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments and listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.